You found it. No nonsense. No scripts. Real people on real issues. Hard hitting and action packed with logic, reason, and common sense. Everything you need and everything you've been looking for in a podcast. This is Dynamic Independence with Johnny Anderson, Bruce Adams, Marty Foster, and GP. Welcome to it. Happy hump day, Bruce. How are you? Healthy alive. Doing well. It does not seem like hump day. Um, but honestly, it feels like I'm still stuck in the weekend. Things have been moving really slow the last few days. But yeah, yourself, how you doing? I'm okay. Uh, I'm ready for the sun to come back. It's been very cold and rainy here the last couple of days. I'm just, I'm tired of it. Bring the sun back and everything will be fine. Um, climate change. Yeah, it is climate change. And and speaking of climate change, just as we are in, or well, we're kind of trending out of tornado season, we're trending into hurricane season, right? Yeah. Tropical storm Elsa, I think is what it is. Didn't we have a new... Uh, a new process for naming these things Did, didn't they change that a couple of years ago because it wasn't inclusive enough or something yeah they yeah i'm pretty sure they did didn't they do like uh was it uh the gender thing to where they were alternating male and female names or something yeah, like that or, well it, it yeah. needed to be that plus they needed to throw some non-binary stuff in there too yeah yeah just to be yeah. you know whatever inclusive or whatever these idiots talk about they say that uh, it's time for florida to start preparing because it's on the way it's still a tropical storm. It's expected to hit uh, Key West around, it's supposed to hit at like 8 o'clock this morning. And by tomorrow at 8 a.m., it's supposed to be just north of Tampa, uh, up towards Gainesville area. Uh, and then, of course, it'll move all the way up through probably, you know, bad storms and a lot of wind and stuff. And they'll, it'll move all the way up the East Coast. But again, totally normal. Totally natural. This is the time for this stuff to happen. 60 mile an hour winds, gusts up to 70. Quite frankly, I see worse weather than that in the Midwest. Uh, it's it's yeah. not that bad. But one thing that uh, they're talking here about Florida, because that's the that's the direct path that's that it's going to be on. But, you know, I'm also concerned about the state of Louisiana, you know, over there in the Gulf of Mexico. You know, I got hit by uh, what was it? Katrina a few years ago. Mm-hmm. Well, it's been more than a few years, but uh, it got hit by Katrina. And I remember all of the disaster and all the mess and stuff with with Katrina. That was uh, that was awful. But you know, it wasn't it wasn't really the hurricane that did all that damage. It was the levees that failed. That's what the problem mm-hmm. was that caused all of the uh, you know the flooding and everything else. That was the issue. What's that? Nothing corruption. Is that what you said? Oh. I could be. Yeah, faulty construction. Yeah, that kind of stuff. Yeah, failed the uh, the tests and everything. Yeah, yeah, it could be that. One thing that we like to talk about here on a podcast, and you know, I hear a lot of podcasters these days talking about it. And this day and age, you have to be prepared. If you're not prepared, you've got to be prepared. So that includes food, water, fuel, any kind of supplies you might have, medical supplies. Any kind of supply that you would need, first aid supplies, medical supplies, that kind of stuff, over-the-counter medications, always good stuff to have just in case. Generators, extra vehicle maybe. What's that? Keep your car full. Uh, keep the gas tank yeah. in the car full. Yeah, keep your car full uh, of gas. Don't be, one of, yeah, don't be one of these people out there with a, a plastic bag filling it up. 
with uh, gasoline. Don't be one of these people putting a tarpaulin in the back of your S10 pickup and filling it up with gasoline. Uh, believe me, I've actually seen people doing that. So don't, don't be one of these people. Store that stuff in a, in a safe and, and dignified manner to where it's, it's safe for you and everyone else around it. It's always important to be prepared. Know your skills, too, that you would need in an emergency situation. First aid skills, for example. Know that stuff. But there's another aspect that I wasn't really thinking about because we're, we're going into this hurricane season. I, I really wasn't thinking about this. And that is, well, there's another there, there's just there, there's another thing that's out there now that, that can help you prepare. <laughs> I'm trying to do this with a straight face. You have no idea how difficult this is. There's there's something else out there that can help you prepare for this year's hurricane season. And no one knows that better than, of course, the Louisiana state governor who is giving this public service announcement next to the director of FEMA. Let's take a listen to this. Hurricane season is here and the time to prepare is now. In Louisiana, we know what hurricanes can do to our communities and the importance of having an emergency plan and taking the steps to ready yourselves, your family, and your community. Right. Good you advice. can take simple steps to prepare for hurricanes, including right. getting a COVID-19 vaccine oh. and oh. building a ready kit with items and documents you need in case you need to evacuate. Okay. The best way to keep your family, your pets, and your neighbors safe is to have a plan. Visit ready.gov to begin planning today. That is amazing because I didn't know that getting a COVID-19 vaccine would be a, uh, a requirement to to prepare for a hurricane. I've never heard that before. That's creative. What do you think? Uh, yeah, I've never heard that one before either uh, with the tornadoes and stuff. I've never growing up ever heard you need to get vaccinated. It'll keep you safe from the tornadoes. Never. Heard uh, what? N- n- no, it doesn't. It doesn't protect you from a hurricane. Like, no. Are they hurting that bad? First of all, th- th- there was a couple things that I-, I-, I grabbed from that. One, did the dude do a uh, butt check on that chick in the video? Because he like looks behind her there for a second. That's a good question. I'm just I, I, oh, okay. And, yeah, that's a good question. Yeah. And then the other thing, um, I, I thought of funny that he had her kind of threw her under the bus saying the COVID nineteen stuff. Uh, I thought that was kind of ironic. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. As well, I think that really though the the numbers are hurting that bad. They're they're throwing this stuff in everywhere, everywhere to try and get people to take it, and it's just. The, the numbers are flatlined. You've already gotten all of your stupid lemmings out there. What more do you want? Oh, no, no, see, you want the actual target audience. These people are really that disconnected. They actually believe that those of us that are out there are actually going to follow their edicts. No, no, not when it comes to this. No. Speaking of governors, state governors, the governor of West Virginia. Now, he came out a couple of weeks ago and he brought his dog up there. Yeah, you remember that? I, I played the video of that of his his dog. Had his dog up there, a uh, lady or whatever, whatever her name was. Nice looking dog, right? A little pudgy, but good looking dog. And he says, oh, well, now she wants you to get the COVID-19 vaccine. We're going to offer you $100 savings bonds. We're going to offer you free guns. Now, mind you, this is the state of West Virginia we're talking about. These things actually mean a lot up there. $100 savings bonds, free guns, free hunting and fishing, excuse me, hunting and fishing licenses for, <laughs> for life in the state. Of course, that's as long as you would live. What else without? They were offering free beer. Now, this was supposed to be the state that had the best vaccine 
program that was rolled out. Everybody was getting in line for it. They all had it figured out. They had one side of the they actually did a story on this. They had one side of the road was actually Virginia. The other side of the road was West Virginia because there's an actual line there. And you could see the people that were partying over on the West Virginia side and the people over in Virginia couldn't do it because they didn't have their vaccine campaign sorted out right. They didn't have their rollout done well enough. Well, now the governor of West Virginia, again, they've hit a wall. No one took the bait for the uh, like there's not any scientific precedence for this at all. None for offering free donuts, free beer, free cheesecake, free lottery money. That's not science. That's not medicine. That's sorcery and crackpot nonsense. The state of Ohio, where I'm from, governor there, Governor Dewan, what a disgrace of a human being as an American. What a disgrace of an American he is. What a shame that that individual is. Anybody that goes out and gets the vaccine, you get entered into a state lottery. You could win some lottery prize money. Well, guess what? No one took that, as in the numbers didn't increase at all. Sadiq Khan, the mayor of London, they're offering free tickets to the uh, the Euro 2020 final at Wembley. It's not science. The West Virginia state governor says choosing not to take a COVID vaccine is akin to entering a death lottery. A death lottery. Really? I would argue taking it is akin to entering a death lottery. Have you seen the amount of people that have succumbed to this thing? Life is a death lottery right now. I mean, we haven't defeated old age yet, right? So you still die of old age until that's defeated. Um, Guess what? Life is a death lottery. Yeah. Yeah. And quite frankly, COVID-19, there's a 99.7% chance of survival. That's across all age groups. Statistically, you have a better chance of contracting and succumbing to the... It's what actually is higher than that, yeah. It's it's like eight, eight, four or so, eight, five, somewhere in there. Well, nonetheless, even so, statistically speaking, now that we have the data, statistically speaking, you have a higher chance, just going by the numbers, you have a higher chance of actually catching the seasonal flu and succumbing to that, statistically. Or about the same. It's about the same. They're they're, they're close to the same, yeah. He was doing an interview on ABC's Martha, Martha Raddatz. I, I don't know. I don't watch these ridiculous mainstream news networks. Just whenever they happen to come out and say something completely stupid like Dr. Fauci here in just a minute. Jim Justice, who is the governor of West Virginia, announced that his state will be giving away free gifts to those who take the shot. I'll see they're still going on with the gifts. He then used the lottery analogy to criticize those who remain unvaccinated. It's OK. I'll take my chances. Thank you. He says, you That's know, the, first the Reds- step, though. it is. Yeah. This is the first step because once you don't take the gift, they're going to try to mandate it. Yeah, which is what they're trying to do. Now now they're saying, oh, you're not taking the gifts. Okay, now we're going to have to do it, which we'll talk about that here in a second. Rep Thomas Massey's out today talking about that. We'll, we'll get to that in a second. Uh, as a matter of fact, let me just pull that now so I don't forget it. So anyway, he says, you know, the red states probably have a lot of people that, you know, are very, very conservative in their thinking. And they think, well, I don't have to do that, but they're not thinking right. Oh, we're not? We're not thinking right. By the way, uh, sir, the last three presidential elections... I might add, your state has gone from blue to blood red. I would just like to point that out. This is a state that is traditionally a coal mining state. The unions have pretty much abandoned all of their 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 people in that state and drained the lifeblood out of the state of West Virginia. There's not any coal mining in that state anymore, not largely. And the infrastructure is being sold out to China to the tune of $4 billion, which is $3 billion larger than the entire state budget of the state of West Virginia for an entire year. You want to know why West Virginia has gone from blue to red? Because West Virginia, I mean, I remember talking to my grandparents and they said, West Virginia, that's always been a blue state. Always. It's been blue for 100 years. The last three 
presidential elections, it's gone red by a large majority. No one talks about it. Where's the Democrat Party talking about that? I'm not playing party politics. I'm just calling a spade a spade here. Where's the Democrat Party talking about losing one of their anchors in the country? Coal country, union country. He continued, the governor, when it really boils right down to it, they're in a lottery to themselves. You know, we have a lottery, you know, that basically says, if you're vaccinated, we're going to give you stuff. Well, you've got another lottery going on, and it's a death lottery. Um, okay, I don't want your stuff. I, I don't want the government to give me stuff. I've never wanted the government to give me stuff. The worst thing you can do to a person is give them stuff. That is the worst thing you can do to someone. Because they don't understand what it is to actually go out and earn something. They have more value of something. They appreciate things more if they go out and they earn it. Other elected representatives, such as Senator Rand Paul, of course, and Congressman Thomas Massey, both from the same state, I might add, Kentucky, which is the neighboring state, have made the point that there is no known benefit from the vaccine for those who have already recovered from COVID. I would argue there's no known benefit to the vaccine for those that haven't recovered from COVID. If you've recovered from COVID, you're immune. You don't need it. They've also charged Senator Rand Paul and Rep. Thomas Massey have charged that uh, natural immunity is being overlooked and the misinformation on the matter that is coming from the government is indiscriminately pushing vaccines. Of course it is. Of course it is. Uh, I've got a clip here of Senator Rand Paul talking about just that. Dr. Bailey, I, I agree with you that misinformation is leading to vaccine hesitancy. And I think probably the largest area of misinformation is actually coming from the government regarding natural immunity. There's actually dozens and dozens of peer-reviewed articles on natural immunity. The natural immunity uh, is robust. Study from Washington University School of Medicine just recently says mild infection with SARS-CoV-2 induces a robust antigen-specific long-lived humoral immune memory in humans. Cleveland Clinic study, 50,000 employees showed that those who had had the disease previously had the same, if not better, immunity than those who'd been vaccinated. If we deny this and we say, stick your head in the sand, everybody be vaccinated, don't worry your pretty little head about whether you've had it or not. We don't do any testing. We have lots of ways of testing for immunity. Guess what? The, the people are going to have hesitancy because they think you're not telling them the truth, which is true. That isn't the truth. We do know that you get uh, robust immunity from this. We also know that even taking conservative estimates from the CDC, that about 100 million people have had this. How do we know that? 34 million people have tested positive, but even the most conservative antibody surveys show that at least two people for every one that got it also had it. That's 100 million people. And so if we discount that, we say, oh, we're never getting to herd immunity. You have all these articles saying, we'll never make it, we'll never make it. We don't have people vaccinated, but then we say, oh, we gotta go harder. Now we're gonna to go for the 10-year-old, then the five-year-old, then we're gonna go for the two-year-old, then we're gonna say, oh, you can't leave the hospital until you're vaccinated. People are going to be hesitant because they don't believe you. And they don't believe that the risk of the disease in children anywhere equates to adults. Over 65, it's at least a thousand times more dangerous. The death rate under 25, about one in a million. If you combine natural immunity with vaccine immunity, Dr. McCary of Johns Hopkins estimates that 80 to 85% of adults have immunity and that we have reached herd immunity. Yet the government insists on discounting or really not counting at all the millions of individuals who have acquired natural immunity. This scientific error causes the government to believe that we haven't gotten there, that we have to go harder and harder and harder. There are reports of myocarditis. It isn't decided yet. We're in the means of talking about this. And if we just say blithely, go take your vaccine, don't think about this, that's not good medicine. We should think about it. I don't know what the risk is. It may turn out that it's one in 10 million. 
And then by all means, I'd say go. If you're over 65, I say without question, the vaccine is way safer than the disease. But I can't say that with a surety for a 10-year-old. I really can't say that. I also can't say that we haven't reached herd immunity and that we're pushing so hard on the kids that we might do damage to children with this. It's an unknown question. The science is not completely done on children. They're discussing it this week. How frequent is myocarditis? We don't know that. If it's one in 100,000 and the chance of myocarditis in the normal population is one in a million, I would probably say you ought to think twice about it. But another way to do it is we could test the children. We could test the adults. If they have antibodies, you know, let them make a choice. Let them make an intelligent choice. Some people will still choose to be vaccinated, but we are so adamant. Get the vaccine. Don't think about it. That that leads to hesitancy because people don't think we're following the science or that people who give that advice are following the science. So my question is, shouldn't previous infection be considered in the effort to push vaccination on our children? And that goes on. But uh, in the interest of time, uh, we're, that's only about halfway through. But in the interest of time, uh, we're going to call it there. But Rand Paul is a medical doctor. He understands what he's sitting there talking about. He's talking about real medicine. He's talking about real solutions and giving people a choice. That's what he's talking about. And looking at the actual data, these idiots like Fauci and the rest of these yahoos, they're not talking about that stuff. As a matter of fact, Rather than talk about that kind of stuff, they're playing politics and they're going around and they're changing the definition of all this stuff. They're changing the definition of herd immunity. They're changing the definition of what a pandemic is and so on and so forth. They're, they're just they're rewriting history in real time. We've got thousands of years of medicine that we're just throwing to the wayside because of this witchcraft and wizardry. I have to agree with him there with, with, with all of you were saying, because that is the main point. I have one of the main points we've been talking about when it comes to this. Governments usually always lie to you. I, I can't say always, but they, they lie to you quite often. They lie to you so much that you don't know whether they're telling the truth or not. And when it comes to COVID, I mean, we've, we've talked about it ad nauseum with uh, Fauci and all that. Uh, I mean, you, he, he's been flip-flopping the entire time. So, yeah, I, I, I have to agree with him. But the, the thing is about the testing... You know, the, the media is saying, oh, we're seeing new spikes. Uh, you know, there, there's places that are new hotspots and new. But the testing that they're using will give false positives if you have any artifacts of any coronavirus, not just COVID-19. So if you have had uh, the flu and there's bits still left, uh, you know, artifacts, then it'll show up. So it doesn't matter if it was COVID-19 or not. And then if he's uh, right there in the estimate saying at least 100 million people have had COVID-19, you go in and get tested with these PCR tests that are that are cycling way too high. You're going to show that you're positive, even though you're not. But the asymptomatic stuff, I mean, just that in and of itself, that this whole idea about this asymptomatic spread is complete fantasy. That's never been proven ever to be a cause of transmission, someone that's asymptomatic. It's never been proven. Where's the precedent for that? Where's the, in lab where's testing, the, the, the science to support that? Sorry, go ahead. In lab testing, uh, there was, uh, um, I'd seen some research on this. The chances of spreading asymptomatically was something like 0.07%. Like, in other words, almost non-existent in nature. It's so low that basically you would have to be immunocompromised and this person would have to have severe viral load, but not quite enough to be symptomatic. Uh, the, the problem is, is when we say asymptomatic, that means they have no runny nose, no cough, none of that, like no 
whatever the symptoms are of, of, of COVID. So if you have even just a slight symptom that you don't, you're not really aware of, you're, not, you're no longer asymptomatic. You now have a symptom. To be asymptomatic means you're completely 100% normal. If I have a sore throat or I'm starting to cough up like this, you know, whatever, my, my nose starts getting stuff, I can tell when I'm coming down with something. I can tell. Guess what I'm doing? I'm staying home. I'm not going to be in any kind of a, of a mood to go out anywhere anyway. I'm not going to want to go to the store. I can order stuff in. I'm not going to go out and, and be in public because I'm a responsible person. I can make that decision for myself. I'm not going anywhere unless it's an absolute emergency. And even so, I mean, it would have to be something really dire part of being prepared. I try to keep most of everything that I need on hand just in case. Again, that's called being responsible. See, they've taken that decision away from everybody. Also, therapeutics. We don't have the means to cure the common cold. We can treat it, but we can't cure it. Do you know what the base of a common cold is? I'll save you the time. It's a coronavirus. You cannot vaccinate against it. This is why they sit down every year and they throw darts at a, uh, at a board on a wall at the CDC and they come up with the four strains of flu virus they're going to make. Where'd the flu go? All right. I saw this today. Actually, I saw it yesterday, and but I wanted to talk about it today. Many Uber drivers and Lyft drivers aren't coming back. Why? What's the correlation here? What's what's the deal? Why, why aren't they coming back? It's a good question. I mean, other than, you know, things like the, the, the wages, right? I mean, you were getting unemployment and they were uh, giving unemployment to gig jobs, but that's gone. Like most states have ended the, the extra unemployment. So... It, it, it can't be that. Yeah. Uh, it says right now that uh, drivers are in a low-key strike. Uh, that's a person that's uh, a volunteer organized with Rideshare Drivers United. I guess that's a, a union of some kind. Right now, it's a mini debacle for Uber and Lyft in terms of driver shortages and surge, price, uh, and surge pricing throughout the U.S. Drivers are below 40% of capacity. So, okay. I think it has to do with, okay, yeah, the gig economy, like you were talking about, that's that's taking a hit. People aren't traveling, so you don't have as high demand for, for rideshare services, car share services. They're not there. So I could see that. I could see that. Like I was like I was saying yesterday, the Frankfurt airport, ghost town, ghost town. You come out of these airports, whether you're in Paris, you're in Brussels, you're in London, you're in New York, you're in Chicago. You come out of these places. What do you always see? You see taxi cabs. You always see taxi cabs, car services, right? Uber drivers. Well, if the airports are vacant, you know, when I was down in, when I flew into Lisbon uh, a couple of years ago, when I flew into Lisbon, guess what? I, I didn't take taxis. I took Uber everywhere. Hell, I got an Uber to my hotel. You know, I got an Uber from the airport to my hotel. It was cheaper than a taxi. So they, they're everywhere. I mean, hell, you could take an Uber here. They got Uber Eats in the city. I ordered Uber Eats when I was in Lisbon. So it's, it's, it's here. But if people aren't traveling, then you're not going to have that service available. So that's going to go away. It's just like anything else. They say for many, it's um, it's the fear of uh, the politicians continuing the pandemic. And, and let's make no mistake about it. That's all that's happening here is it's a political pandemic at this point. At this point, if you can't see that, I cannot help you. I, I cannot help you. You know, I almost I almost feel sorry for some of the people that I still see walking around outside wearing a mask. I almost feel sorry for them at this point. Oh, no, that's the, that's the softer side of me right there, because these people have been so beaten down and so demoralized. They're not in any kind of condition to be making any kind of a rational decision for themselves or anybody else. I mean, I, I'm still seeing, though it's rare, I'm still seeing people drive around with with all four windows down alone in their car with a mask on. I'm still seeing that. Do, do you understand the kind of psychological damage that's been done to these people? 
Explain to me how that's not a crime against humanity. Explain that to me. So they go on to talk about here how this, it could be the politicians continuing the, uh, the pandemic, uh, which has made them stop driving in the first place because you got to go through all that. Maybe it's the fact that they don't want to go through the, the COVID protocols. Maybe Uber's got some company policies in place that we're not seeing. Maybe they're they're requiring the drivers to get jabbed. I, I don't know. I'm just I'm just guessing here. So there, I, I do remember seeing an article a while back that I don't remember if it was Uber or Lyft or both were requiring passengers to wear masks, and I think they were requiring drivers as well. You if had to I'm take the mask state, selfie. You had to take the selfie on yeah. your phone before the driver would come. It, and get that's you. right. That's right. If I'm in a state that doesn't have a mask mandate, um, I don't want to deal with that policy. Even if I'm in a state with a mask mandate, I'm not going to deal with that policy. It's my car. It's my decision. Uh, you know, if, if the passenger, the, the thing is, is when it comes to like a business like that, if the passenger is requests that you do for the sake of the pastor, that customer at that point, I would, you know, when it comes to uh, when we were more in the, in the peak of the pandemic, if you will. But now I, I don't, I don't see anybody wearing a mask now. There's no places here that that require it. So it's it's, unless you're at the college or the university. mm -hmm. Um, Yeah. But this is uh, now this has not hit the news yet. This is breaking. Someone actually just told me this just in real time right now. Someone just told me this. They're watching the uh, the White House press conference. Jen Psaki, the White House press secretary, has said that the government will go door to door to make sure people are vaccinated. Yeah. Try that in a state like Oklahoma. See what happens. Okay, I talked there about uh, Thomas Massey, and we we kind of we veered off here a little bit. Uh, I want I want to jump back to this real quick before before I get too far off topic here, since we're still on COVID at the moment. We talked yesterday about how the armed forces commands are being told to prepare the rank and file to have the COVID nineteen vaccine mandatory by September first. That was out of the Army Times yesterday. Today. Thomas Massey has said that Representative Thomas Massey from Kentucky has said that his office has been getting calls from service members saying that they will quit. They will desert if that becomes mandatory. We've also had uh, whistleblowers uh, that have come out and said there's actual paperwork going through that's uh, leading up to this mandate. Thomas Massey has said that soldiers will quit if COVID-19 vaccine is mandated, and he has introduced a bill to block the obligation. I don't see that gaining traction, but nonetheless, I'll give him credit for at least trying. So far, he's got 24 sponsors. That's not enough, sir. Uh, That should be uh, 435 to zero is what that should be. That's just what it should be. I'm sorry. Congressman Thomas Massey claims that members of the U.S. Army have told him that they intend to quit if the COVID vaccine is mandated. He's got 24 sponsors for a bill to block the order already. On July 5th, which was yesterday, be two days ago for those of you that are listening, Massey remarked that his Twitter post was targeted by, <laughs> I can't disagree with him on this, science illiterate, military hating, angry blue check mark people. Yeah. Pretty much par for the course. He's right on target with that. An army report leaked over the weekend suggested an executive order warned commands to prepare to mandate vaccinations as early as the 1st of September. We kind of figured that that's what was going to happen, is it's going to be a blow to the armed forces. They're going to walk. I don't blame them. I'd walk too. I'd be right there alongside you. Sorry, court-martial me. It's not going to happen. Not going to happen. Also, this is just breaking, and you knew it was coming, right? You knew it was coming. We have the um, Lambda strain now. Uh, the variant, the, the Lambda variant has just uh, just popped up. It's a new variant. Now, of course, it's raised concerns due to uh, unusual mutations. Un- uh, unusual. They're not saying what those are. 
It's an unusual mutation. Scientists are scientists. You hear this? Scientists. What passes for a scientist these days? Because if you're an actual scientist, you get shut down and shut up. Scientists are worried about the latest strain now found in over. Oh, it's already in 30 countries. It's already in 30 countries, including Australia and guess where? The United Kingdom. Yeah, they're approaching their uh, yeah their new um, lockdown lift and everything here in, here in just a couple of weeks. Now you got this new <laughs> you got this new one coming. Yeah, you got this this new one coming. And they also say now I know that this is going to shock you. Uh, they say that this could also be more infectious and resistant to current vaccines. Just Isn't that what? Like the last one. Just like the last one. Positive. Yeah, it was. Um, it had unusual mutations in in Delta, or excuse me, India. Right. That yeah, it was India until everybody figured out that they were lying about it, and then they changed it to Delta. Where's this one come from? If I had to guess, it's probably like Africa or something. Could be. I don't know, but. We know that Africa is not having a major problem. Why do we know that? Well, they've only ha- listened to how many people they vaccinated down there. Less than less than five million people in the entire continent of 91 million, less than five million. No one shows up. Do you know why? Because Bill Gates and company have very bad names down there. Very bad names. No one trusts them. No one trusts the United Nations down there, except for the warlords. that get the World Food Program food. That's it. OK, um, let's. Um, Let's, oh God, I, I, I'm tired of hearing his voice. Let's talk about Dr. Anthony Fauci, the sainted Dr. Anthony Fauci. Let's talk about him. Fauci says that vaccinated people should wear masks in areas with low vaccination rates. I'll say that again. Fauci says that vaccinated people should wear masks in areas with low vaccination rates. This is like what we talked about yesterday with the chain vaccination infection, the chain infection from vaccinated people. A vaccinated person infected another vaccinated person who infected another vaccinated person who infected a whole bunch of vaccinated people. And the prime minister of Israel, Bennett, has said, well, we're going to have to keep those unvaccinated people out of the way. It's the same thing with this. Uh, here he is on uh, on Meet the Press on uh, on Sunday morning talking with uh, Chuck Todd. All right, we'll, we'll just listen to a couple of minutes of this. It's it's um, how in danger are we in, yeah, in yeah. this um, variant creating a spike? Well, I think when you talk about how much of a danger it is to do a spike, I think you then have to look at the country as a whole and those areas of the country in which you have a low level of vaccination and a high level of viral dynamics. Right. That's, that's the thing that gets confusing. Yeah. As a nation, as a whole. We are doing very well. We have more than 50 percent, about 50 percent of the adult population that's fully vaccinated. We have now more than seven, about 67, 66, 67 percent of the adult population that's uh, at least one dose. The elderly have been vaccinated to the tune of more than 80 percent and the deaths have gone down by that. That's the country as a whole. Just pause that for one second. I don't believe those numbers, just so we're clear. I don't buy those numbers mm-hmm. for one second. No, uh, I don't either. Uh, press X to doubt. But we have uh, a big country with disparity in the willingness to be vaccinated. So there are some states where the level of vaccination of the individuals is 35 percent or less. Under those circumstances, right. you right. might expect to see spikes in certain regions, in certain states, cities or counties. Right. I don't think you're going to be seeing anything nationwide because fortunately we have a substantial proportion of the population vaccinated. So right. it's going to be uh-huh. regional. And yeah, that's the thing regional. that will be confusing when states. people look at what we do. Yeah. We're going to see, and I've said, almost mm-hmm. two types of America. You know, those regions oh, yeah. of America yeah. which are highly vaccinated 
and we have a low level of dynamics of infection. And in some places, some states, some cities, some areas where the level of vaccination is low and the level of virus dissemination is high, that's where you're going to see the spikes. Okay, we have it from firsthand knowledge. Our very own GP, who we spoke with, he's he's busy. He's traveling from coast to coast in the U.S. at the moment. He was in Miami, Florida just a few days ago. He's now back in Los Angeles. California's locked down. Los Angeles is locked down. Florida is completely open. He can give you the statistics. He can give you the numbers. And they have the opposite of what this, this little sellout worm is telling you. They're not having overflowing hospitals in Florida. They're not having people dying in the streets in Florida. They don't have mask mandates in Florida. The businesses are open 100%. California, the death rate in California is actually higher and they have full lockdowns per capita. So per capita. Yeah, per capita. So what he said, but that's that's the key right there is per capita. Those are the numbers you need to be paying attention to. What he's saying, everything that he's saying here is a complete lie. All of it. All right, let's continue on with it. Well, let's talk about a specific here. We know Mississippi is one of the lowest. I believe it's the, the lowest vaccinated, uh, has the lowest vaccinated race uh, rate in the country. OK, I'm just curious, Chuck, what's their rate of gun ownership in the state of Mississippi? <laughs> I'm just I'm just curious because I'll bet there's a correlation there. If you if you start looking at that statistic. Uh huh. Yeah. You're in Biloxi, Mississippi right now, Dr. Fauci. Would you be wearing a mask? You're fully vaccinated. But would you be wearing a mask in Biloxi, Mississippi? I think there would be a good reason to do that. I mean, because there, <laughs> as we've said so often, that vaccines. Uh, but see, for a for a very different reason, he would be wearing a mask because he doesn't want people to see his face in the state of Mississippi. Well, y- yeah. And I would also like to point out, he actually skirted that question and didn't answer. Correct. He said he didn't say that he would. He said, well, you, I, I can make an argument that you should, basically. Right. And so, no, he would not wear one to translate. Uh-huh. Are not even as good as they are and highly effective. Nothing is 100 percent. And if you put yourself in an environment in which you have a high level of viral dynamics and a very low level of vaccine, you might want to go the extra step and say, when I'm in that area where there's a considerable degree of viral circulation, I might want to go the extra mile to be cautious enough to make sure that I get the extra added level of protection, even though the vaccines themselves are highly effective. Right. Safe and effective, right? Asymptomatic spread was the real killer with this virus, right? <laughs> it's it's what, what's made it so difficult to at, at times when we first were dealing with it. Can a fully vaccinated person be an asymptomatic spreader of the oh, virus boy. and more importantly, this variant? <laughs> the answer is you'd have to say yes. I mean, if you're looking at studies that are being done, we will get the answer to that because we are looking at situations where you have vaccinated people who have breakthrough infections, namely they're infected despite the fact that they've been vaccinated. Most of these people will be without symptoms. If you look at the level of virus in their nasopharynx, it appears to be significantly less than individuals who are unvaccinated who get infected and who have asymptomatic infection. Where's so when you look at the level of virus to be lower, that would mean you could make a reasonable assumption that those individuals would be less likely to transmit the infection to someone else. Yeah, a vaccinated yeah. person, breakthrough infection, 
unlikely, but it's not going to be zero because whenever you have biological phenomena, there's always a range. But for the most part, it would be less likely. Uh huh. All right. Thank you for that. Let me ask you about you're somebody who let's say you're. Okay, I'm not going to go any further with that. Uh, That's that's enough of that. Okay, we talked about asymptomatic spread again. Everything he said, complete concoction. Chuck Todd, take a walk, son. This guy's a disgrace. He's a disgrace sitting up there feeding that propaganda to the masses. Give me a break. Give me a break. That show should be canceled. You wonder why the ratings are in the toilet. You wonder why no one watches them. It's because they sit up there and they promote this nonsense. None of what they're talking about is actual science. He's rattling off the same thing over and over again. Safe and effective, right? Science dynamics. Nothing about anything that he's promoting is dynamic at all. Nothing. Nothing is science-based. Nothing's evidence-based. Nothing's data-based. Everything that's science-based, evidence-based, and data-based that they beat you over the head with, they conveniently ignore. You could say that everything he says is dynamic. It's ever-changing. It's ever-changing, yeah, because he flip-flops so much, yeah. But he he cleared all that up last week. He said he doesn't flip-flop. So there's there's no flip-flopping, yeah. Mm -hmm. And he he appalls people that flip-flop. He can't stand it. Because uh-huh. it, all it does is just it confuses people. <laughs> That's all it does. So you can't you can't get the trust of anybody when you're constantly flip flopping and and you're changing your your position and your stances on things. You can't get the you know the support of the people when you do that. So speaking of the support of the people, Bruce, do you think that Joe Biden is actually running the show in the White House? Uh, no. And in fact, I've seen polls that have shown majority of Americans don't believe that either. Yeah, <laughs> there is a poll that's out today that's uh, found that a majority of Americans don't believe that Joe Biden's actually calling the shots. Are you serious? Are you serious? Y- you know what's actually you're not going to believe this. Uh, I have to I have to pull this. This is this is the new Democrat Party ice cream truck with Joe Biden on the side of it. A guy with this past and a guy that, well, quite frankly, on the C-SPAN footage with the uh, with all the, you know, the swearing in ceremony him on an ice cream truck, it's bad optics. It's very bad optics. He's got his face on the side of an ice cream truck, and this guy's actually calling the shots? The media goes out and fawns over this guy about what what flavor of ice cream did you get? No, see, I don't buy any of that stuff. I, I, I don't buy any of that stuff. Not at all. I don't believe this guy's actually in charge of anything more than what he's going to order for dinner. And even so, I think even that is a, is a stretch. National poll was released by the Convention States Action in partnership with the Trafalgar Group. The poll, which was conducted toward the end of June, surveyed more than 1,000 likely voters for the upcoming 2020 mid, or 2022 midterms. Key findings from the poll included the following. 56.5% of American voters do not believe that President Biden is fully executing the duties of his office, while 36.4% believe he is directing all policy and agenda. Uh, okay, are those the ones you polled on a college campus somewhere? Just curious. Uh, uh, that's a good question. I I'd, I'd, I'd definitely, well, Trafalgar Group, I think, is usually pretty good about their polls. Uh, yeah, they have a, a pretty good pretty good history of, of accuracy, and they release all that information. Thirty-one point seven percent of Democrat voters do not believe that President Biden is fully executing the op- the duties of his office, while fifty-eight point six percent believe he is directing all policy and agenda. That would be the people from the cities, I would guess. Eighty-three point six percent of Republican voters do not believe. Uh, okay, so it's, yeah, it's, okay, so they they poll. Uh, Democrats, Republicans, and independents. Basically, it's more than half all the way around. So do you think he's actually running anything? If you had to take this survey, do you think he's actually running anything? No, I can't even think of something that he would be running. I was going to say something snarky that he was running, and I, 
I, I can't even think of something snarky to say that he would be running. It just he's seen such a, a, a decline, a collapse from when he was vice president to now. Um, I, I, I can't see him running anything at this point. Uh, no. So I don't I think he's in charge. Yeah, I, I don't think he's in charge. I don't think that that clown Kamala Harris, I don't think she's in charge either. I think she's just doing what she's told. To be honest with you, I think that this is being run from a uh, multi-million dollar mansion just down the road occupied by a man named Barack Obama. That's my opinion. I don't think that he's fully involved with it by himself. I believe there's a lot of other players involved here, but I don't think it's, I, I, I certainly don't think it's Biden. I certainly don't think it's Biden. I, I think it was the same person that was over Obama. I think Obama was just a puppet. He, he was, um, you think it was Buffett? I, I, don't, I don't think he's a man. Possibly someone, someone like that. Yeah. Is, is more what I'm thinking because Obama, he was just in it for the popularity. I don't think he really fully believed the agenda. I mean, he did, but it was to his own ends. Just like every dictator we've seen, they they talk the talk, but when it comes down to it, their kids are multi-billionaires because of the money they've stolen from the, the, the population. So, no, I, I, I don't think he was a devout follower of whatever this religion is they're, they're mm -hmm. trying to enact. Mm -hmm. I, I think he's just a, a mouthpiece for it. That said... Uh because he was a good mouthpiece, I could see him being included in the circle so that he feels like he's a part of the, you know, inner circle. But I don't know that he really is. Davos group? Yeah. I mean, it could be Davos group, could be like Bill Gates, Warren Buffett. Uh, I mean, well, they're Davos. It, it, well, true. Um, but then at the same time, those are like forward facing groups. Those are yeah. what you see. And as uh, I think it was Marty that first pointed out, maybe it was you. Um, those are the first ones to be thrown under the bus when something yeah. goes wrong. Yeah. Which means there's someone else behind the scenes that we don't know about that is potentially. Um, see, see, like Soros, yeah. for example, he's too well known to be the one running it. Uh, no, well. it's it's not him. It, but he, you know, the thing with Soros, though, is it's just like Schwab. He can never put his hands directly to it. Soros yeah. is clever about that. Same thing with uh, with Bill Gates. He never puts his hand directly to it unless it's something that. He can openly endorse and there's no way of getting around it. But behind yeah. the scenes, like everything else, for example, do you remember the riots last year that weren't the riots? They were the mostly peaceful uh, protests. You remember those? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. What we found out, again, the ones behind those riots, I believe, were Bill Gates and Warren Buffett, amongst other people. They weren't the only ones. But let me explain how that works. Let me explain how we arrived at that conclusion. When you had people that were being steered down those areas... Uh, and this is where Facebook and Antifa come in because that's how they organize. Make no mistake about that. When you had orders come through on the Facebook private messenger groups, which whistleblowers came out last year, when you had them organizing and steering these protest movements, excuse me, mostly peaceful protest movements down these areas in these cities, you would find pallets of bricks all over the place. Molotov cocktails. Well, they weren't Molotov cocktails. They were rags and empty bottles and jerry cans full of gasoline that would be right there, just right next to the pallet of bricks. Well, they didn't do a very good job taking care of those pallets of bricks because they still had the name of the construction company that delivered them there. The construction company that delivered the pallets of bricks across all the U.S. cities where the riots were happening, excuse me, mostly peaceful protests were happening, was the Acme Brick Company. Who owns the Acme Brick Company? Well, it's a company called Berkshire Hathaway. Who owns Berkshire Hathaway? Well, that's an individual named Warren Buffett, who's also tied in 
with Berkshire Hathaway. Who's the second largest investor in Berkshire Hathaway? Well, that's a gentleman by the name of Bill Gates. And who's another individual that's involved with Warren Buffett in Berkshire Hathaway? That's a gentleman named Charlie Munger, who was just on CNBC a couple of days ago with Warren Buffett openly saying the next pandemic's going to be worse. When that happens, I know exactly where I'm looking. Same thing with Klaus Schwab and company. His little goon he's got working for him down there, who said, we know the next one's going to be bigger. And again, to reiterate, the next one doesn't have to be another virus. No. It could be simply the flu, the cold, and it's a reaction that the vaccines are having and, mm. and people are, their immune systems are over mm. overreacting. Doesn't even have to be an actual health-related one. Cyber pandemic, remember? True, true. You, you did have Schwab and company saying that. Cyber Which pandemic. Technically, yeah. we're 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 already in cyber pandemics, if you will, because they're they're targeting. Ironically enough, our own FBI is hacking groups and organizations and causing. And the reason I'm saying that, you, you know, the Colonial Pipeline incident, how they had to shut everything down, and well, it just so happened that the, all that cryptocurrency that they were paid just. The, the wallet was seized by the FBI. Yeah, they got it all back. They just happened to get it all yeah, back. Yeah, yeah. Almost sounds like it was an inside job, if you ask Almost. me. Because Almost. Because you, 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 don't, you don't do that. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you, Even if you're just barely getting into crypto and you understand the different wallets that, that are there, yeah, it's just, it, it's scuffed, <laughs> to use a meme term. All right, this is, uh, this is breaking. Let's talk about the cities here for a minute. Uh, I want to talk about New York. I want to talk about Chicago. New York Governor Andrew Cuomo, your friend, he has issued an executive order declaring gun violence a disaster emergency in New York State after 51, yeah, right, after 51 reported shootings over July 4th weekend. I'm quoting him. He says, we went from one epidemic to another epidemic. We went from COVID to the epidemic of gun violence. More people are dying from gun violence than from COVID. This is the first executive order of its kind in the U.S. So gun violence is now a public health crisis. Dr. Anthony Fauci was asked about that about six months ago. Do you think gun violence is a public health issue? And he said, well, absolutely. Yeah, it's absolutely. It's a public health issue. And you know why this is a first, right? Why? Because it's unconstitutional. Well, yeah, I, I could I could understand that. But I mean, he's he's thinking about public the public health here. Yeah, that really... That really says a lot to the out-of-control crime spree in the city of New York. Do, do you know uh, the crime? Uh, just real quick here. the crime. We looked at the statistics about six months ago. Crime on the Upper West Side is up 284% from last year. People are getting robbed in broad daylight at gunpoint. Total gun ban in the city of New York, if anyone didn't know. Someone got shot in Times Square the other day. And it was so obvious... Like the, the, the people actually had to try and chase this guy down. It was so obvious that the, the useless mayor up there actually had to step in and do something because it was such a PR nightmare. So maybe maybe he should take a, um, a cue from our um, military doctrine. Maybe he should uh, take a look at our policy when it comes to nuclear weapons. Typically, when with, with nu- nuclear weapons, um, you want to have a mass of them so that any other nation that may acquire or has them is too scared to use them because they know you will rain down hellfire on them. Same situation here. One of the greatest things you securities you have is the criminal thinking that if he breaks in or tries to rob you, that he's going to get shot. That is a great defense mechanism. By 
removing all those regulations, restrictions from uh, law-abiding citizens and allowing them to have firearms, you are basically ensuring their own safety. It's almost like you're vaccinating the population against crime. If crime goes away, they go away. Remember that. They have no interest in not just crime. I mean, that's that's one thing in and of itself. We could sit here and we could do we could do 10 podcasts on that. Just that alone. But the politician and, you know, I, I have one of my books in, in my my book collection. It's my most prized book in my collection. It took me almost 15 years to find this book. And I finally found it hiding in a bookstore in London. It was written in 1939. It was called Persons in Hiding. It was written by the young director of the FBI at the time, J. Edgar Hoover. And it was about the gangster era in America. And in that book, he explains exactly what they were dealing with back in the 1920s. The exact same thing we're dealing with 100 years later. The politician has no interest. Right, left, center, doesn't matter. They have no interest in stopping crime. Because if that's the case, well, then you wouldn't need police. If you stop the crime, you wouldn't need police, right? They have no interest in stopping that. They have no interest in cleaning up the slums. They have no interest in getting rid of poverty. And they go up there and they champion those things. They run on crime and poverty and homelessness. They run on those things. They have no interest in getting rid of them because if that were the case, they'd be legislating themselves out of a job. Why would they want to get rid of those things? They themselves would become irrelevant. Well, they don't want to become irrelevant. They want to be more relevant. But the most important thing behind all of that is behind every single crooked politician is a crook. Every single one of them. And behind every one of those, there's a lobbyist and a lawyer. So it's a perpetual cycle. Now, not to be outdone, you had what, what did I say? How many people shot? You had uh, 51 people shot. Uh, excuse me. You had 51 shootings, not not people shot. You had 51 shootings in New York over Fourth of July weekend. Well, you think that was bad, right? As if uh, as if the Bronx isn't already Afghanistan. Well, what's going on over there is crazy. I mean, we saw a video last week of the Bronx. We saw the CCTV footage. Middle of the night, people walking down a neighborhood, just a random neighborhood. I don't even know what street it was, but walking down a random neighborhood. Hell, they walked in front of a house that had a white picket fence which is supposed to be a, a telltale sign of a peaceful neighborhood. And the three people, they just decided, yeah, they're just going to pull out their guns and open up on the people across the street, take cover behind the cars. That's New York. That, that's your, that's your gun-free New York right there. A Chicago alderman, who was basically a, a councilman, they, they call them aldermans out there, basically a councilman, they slammed the mayor, Chicago Mayor Lori Lightfoot, after more than 100 shootings over the July 4th weekend. Again, Chicago, total gun ban, total gun ban. He's called Chicago a war zone. I would say that it's exactly that. You know, I I posted a video uh, the other day. I don't know if I actually I don't know if you ran across it, Bruce, but this guy who had one of those dash cams in his car, he was sitting at a, at an intersection, and these people at this car in front of him, these gangbangers, got out and decided they were go- with full auto. They decided they were just going to open up on two cars ahead of them. And something happened. They didn't have the magazine in all the way and the magazine dropped out. You could see it drop out. And so he pulls out a handgun and just starts going at it. You know, it just starts unloading on the car there and the cars speed off and and everything. They run back into the uh, into the car and they take off. You've had some representatives and some senators call Chicago an open air gun range. And that's what it is. Okay, it wasn't just shootings. I was wrong. After more than 100 people were shot over Fourth of July weekend in Chicago, Alderman Anthony Napolitano explained what's going on in Chicago in a way you seldom, if ever, 
Hear politicians explain it. Napolitano, an independent who was a former fire, uh, who was a former fireman and policeman, had this to say about what's going on in Chicago. Let's listen to him. Mayor Lori Lightfoot has made statements saying that she thinks that illegal guns are the problem in the city. What do you think? Yeah, I've been asked that question numerous times, and I, I think that's pure nonsense. Um, we have the, stif- the, the strongest and the strictest uh, gun laws in, in the state, if not the country. Uh, and if you go to our surrounding borders right now, uh, where we're supposedly getting all the guns for, they have nowhere near the amount of crime that we do. We have a people problem here in Chicago. I've been saying this for a long time. We have zero accountability for parents in the city of Chicago. Nobody's raising their kids anymore. The gangs are raising them. We have a state's attorney that is by far the worst in the nation, and it's all trickled effect. This is what this is what we're running up with right now. More guns mean less crime. You know, I, I hate to I hate to put it like that, but it's exactly what Bruce said. If you give people the opportunity to defend themselves, then you won't have this problem. You will not have this problem. More than that, let's let's take guns out of the equation. Let's just remove that. This goes back to the destruction of the family. He just said the alderman just said outright you don't have kids being raised in the home anymore. They're being raised on the streets. The gangs are bringing them up. If you look at the statistics of kids that come from broken homes, they are more likely to end up in prison. We've promoted this idea since the, dare I say it, the hippie revolution. Since that, we've promoted this idea of promiscuity and, oh yeah, the down with the family and uh, if it feels good, do it. Uh, why not do it in the road? Let it all hang out, man. Tune in and drop out. Yeah. Yeah. How's that working out? How are we doing with that? You see, those people, and when I say those people, I'm including the likes of like Bernie Sanders. That's where he came from, that era. They didn't actually go into society and start having families. Not all of them. Some of them went into politics and they laid there in politics. Bernie Sanders has never held a straight job in his life. He slept on people's couches and smoked other people's dope. He got thrown out of the hippie commune because he refused to clean the floor. He went down to Nicaragua and buddied up with the uh, the Sandinistas down there, touting the uh, the wonderful socialist revolutions down there. He honeymooned with his wife, Jane, in the Soviet Union. Who does that? Then he comes back. He becomes the mayor of Burlington, Vermont. First, he ran as a socialist, didn't make it. Then he ran as an independent, got in there. Then he ran as a senator. I think he even tried to go as a socialist in, in the Senate. And it didn't work. I think he, I, maybe I'm wrong there. I could be I could be mistaken. But he went in as an independent. And of course, he's a democratic socialist, right? He's de- Yeah, he's as much of a democratic socialist as Lenin was. So these people go into these things. They go into politics. Bernie Sanders has had a government job. He's been living off the U.S. taxpayer all of his days. He's an academic bum. He, he went to college. And then after that, he, he couldn't do anything. So he decided, all right, I'll just go into politics. And that's what a lot of these people do. The passing of the torch to this stupid bartender, Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez from Brooklyn. This, this, this idiot that knows nothing about anything is now all of a sudden the, the leader of the socialist movement in America. These are the people that promote the destruction of the family. These are the people that, that promote this woke ideology that have no basis in reality or in culture of any kind. None. None that possess a stabilizing force for civilization. None. They've gone after our churches. They've gone after our schools. They've gone after our homes. They've gone after our culture. It's all gone. So if you want to fix this problem, 
And I, I've always told people traveling the world, I've always told people because people always ask me, oh, yeah, I was sitting around a dinner table one night over here with a whole bunch of people about four or five years ago. And they said, oh, man, the U.S. has got a real big gun problem. And I just stopped and I said very calmly, I said, no, the U.S. doesn't have a gun problem. And everyone just kind of stopped and looked at me. You know, that record squealing and everyone just kind of turns and looks mm -hmm. at you. Mm. Yeah, it was one of those moments. They said, well, if it's not a gun problem, well, then what is it? And I said, it's a people problem. It's a morality problem. That's what it is. You know, growing up in the United States, all, all the years that uh, that I did and, and going back there from time to time, you know, traveling and, and jumping back and forth, you know, all the time I've been there growing up. I mean, I grew up in a, in a small town, granted, but I've been around guns since I was five years old. No one shot anybody. No one messed around and did stuff they weren't supposed to do. I never even heard gunshots growing up as a kid, ever. Except out on the gun range, of course, or in the woods when you're when when hunting season's in, of course you hear it. Or if you're a Boy Scout camp and you're going for a shotgun merit badge or, or rifleman uh, merit badge, of course you hear it. But not in the streets, not in people's homes, unless we unless we were shooting some plastic bullets in the basement. <laughs> that's a little different. <laughs> but but I mean that's you know that's what those things are for. You know you shoot into a cardboard box. Yeah. yeah. But. You didn't see that kind of stuff. Now, granted, I didn't grow up in a major city, but I spent a lot of times working in U.S. cities and I heard gunshots. Of course, I heard gunshots. Worked with police officers that were out there getting shot at. Never got shot at. Had a gun pulled on me once. That was interesting. Didn't go well for the other guy that pulled the gun, but you know he's still in prison. But nonetheless, I don't see this kind of crime outside of the cities. I'm not saying it doesn't exist, but I'm saying that I've never personally witnessed it. I've always been around people that have been responsible, well-mannered individuals when it comes to handling firearms. And you get raised in that environment. You take away the guns in America. The only thing you're going to accomplish is taking them away from the honest people. That's all you're going to do. Quite frankly, I don't think it's going to get that far. They've taken the guns in New York. They've taken the guns in Chicago. They've taken the guns in L.A., in Seattle, in Columbus, in Cleveland, all these places. Highest crime rates. If you don't believe me, look at the FBI's own statistics. Mass shootings are actually down by the numbers, by the FBI's own numbers. You'd never know that if you watch the TV. Mass shootings are actually down. They're down about 50 percent from the 90s. I'll jump in with a, a quick story and then get to get to a point. Growing up, I actually... Um we did hear gunshots every once in a while when we lived out in the country. Uh, but usually that was because it was a farmer shooting a wildlife that was threatening herd or crop or something like that. So shooting a coyote or something like that. There are pests here. So you you, you did Same. hear gunshots every once yeah. in a while. Same. But that, that's coyotes. A, yeah. Coyotes are all season. They'll drag off your livestock. I'm not joking. Yep. yep. I also know of a uh, individual that... Um, these are very rare to come across, but it does happen. Managed to shoot himself at about the waist or midsection. Um, and I believe he destroyed one of his kidneys or something like that. Messed him up pretty bad in one side and out the other. Why, might you ask? Or how? Very simply, he was being a dumbass and not following basic safety procedures. And he was... I don't know if he was cleaning the gun or uh, was showing it off and did not check to make sure there was nothing in the chamber and ended up shooting himself. So, yeah. you know, I have a I have a similar story to that. This is uh, somebody that I, I, don't, I mean, I don't speak to him anymore. I haven't spoke to him in, in many, many, many years. But I heard this story uh, and this is this actually happened. I went to school with this kid and he 
was doing basically the same thing. He was either cleaning it or he was showing it off. I'm, I tend to think he was probably showing it off, knowing this person, as I did. And he... Somehow or another, uh, I, I don't know whether it was uh, he still had, he obviously had one in the chamber uh, and it went off and it went down. I, I want to say it went into like his his hip. I don't know if it was a left or right side. It doesn't matter. But it went into his hip and somehow it, the way that it ricocheted off the bone or something, it angled itself back down and went down in past the knee all the way down into the foot. And now he can't walk. Uh, it's it's like it's that serious. This person. Uh, I hate to say this, but again, stupidity, just, just clear, flat out stupidity. This person, U.S. Armed Forces service member. Oof. They should have known better. OK, they, 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 should, have known better. they should have known better. They should have known better. Uh, to be fair, the, the guy I was talking about in my story also jumped off a cliff and broke his neck and nearly paralyzed himself. Is that a, so is that a, do, you, do you have the, the part of the video where he said, hey, y'all watch this? Yeah, well, they were OK, so. It was at a river or lake and you know how they do the, well, uh, he was doing it in a spot you weren't supposed to do it from or probably did it wrong you or something. I don't know what it was. It's probably yeah. that way because you're not yeah. supposed to do it right there. Right. Exactly. And uh, yeah, he ended up diving wrong and uh, hit his head and uh, it, it, kid's lucky. Uh, I'll just say the kid is lucky. Mm-hmm. Stupid lucky. Yeah. All right. Uh, we're out of time today. We are going to have to go. So uh, thanks for being here. All right. For those of you who have not signed up to our Telegram channel, get over there, get signed up to us. We put out all of our podcasts we do here every day. And we also put out an exclusive podcast just to our Telegram subscribers. However, the last two weeks, we've, we've put them out for everyone else. So we're going to have to uh, get back to just the exclusive this week to our Telegram subscribers. Get signed up to us over there. Also, if you'd like to reach out to us, uh, hold off on that because we're in the process of changing email addresses. I promise you we will have that done by the end of this week. Also, we would ask you to pass this along to friends, family, and known associates. And we know some of you have done that. We appreciate that very much. We are available everywhere you get your podcast. Also, if you're rating podcasts, you give us a rating when you get a chance. We would appreciate that as well. Five stars would be a plus. Thank you very much. All right, that's it for today. So thank you for being here today, Bruce. Thank you to all the listeners. Everyone have a great evening.